You are listening to Ithaca Now on the station for innovation, WICV Ithaca. What are you on? I'm on 3D. Look. There goes the game. Tonight on Ithaca Now, Ithaca College is now months into their new in-house dining service and students and faculty share their thoughts on how it has been going. Like last year was just ridiculous, like the pancakes weren't cooked and everything, so I think this year is much better with like the seasoning and how the food is overall prepared. On Sunday, we went to the Drag Queen Story Hour at Buffalo Street Books. Kids need to know that whatever they're feeling about themselves and how they identify is okay. And we spoke with the director of the documentary, Ehrlich. Even though I have a storyline, I try always to explore different directions in a, every documentary I, I, I All that and more tonight on Ithaca Now. Welcome to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news podcast focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Jay Bradley, and thanks for tuning in. Tonight on Ithaca Now, we'll hear feedback on Ithaca College's transition into in-house dining services. We'll also be hearing about Buffalo Street Books' Drag Queen Story Hour, and we'll sit down with uh, Idris Morak Pai, who works with Habitat for Humanity. But first, Celine Tutor and William Strolekis with Community Beat. A Lansing woman was accused of stealing and altering checks at a local organization, according to Ithaca Police Department. 67-year-old Diane Hefner allegedly wrote herself checks worth over $3,000 from New Rose Charter School. She has been charged with felonies of third-degree grand larceny, two counts of falsifying business records, and two counts of forgery. She was arraigned in Ithaca City Court and released on her own recognizance. Get ready to shell out a little more money on taxes than last year. Ithaca Mayor Savante Myrick recently released the 2020 City Budget Proposal, and it shows property taxes will have a slight increase. Prices won't be much higher, though, with it being estimated that the average household in the city will only pay $24 more compared to last year. The budget still has to accommodate for recommendations from city departments before it will be approved. Ithaca Instrument Recycling Program, Play It Again, hits record numbers. The program where the used instruments get donated to the children in the school district tripled from last year's numbers, according to the program director. The director urges locals to donate more of their instruments that they don't use, as not having one is the biggest barrier for not joining music programs. Hunting season will look a little different for Tompkins County thanks to new legislature. Rifles will now be allowed to be used to hunt deer and bears inside the county. The ruling was adopted to help provide safer and more humane hunting methods than the currently preferred shotgun. For now, the resolution will only apply for a three-week period starting in mid-November. The law will be revisited after to see if it's worth adopting full-time. Ithaca City Cemetery will be the host of a spooky movie showing this upcoming Friday, October 11th. Attendees will be able to get into the Halloween spirit while watching Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. The event will be free, but a $5 donation is encouraged to support Friends of Ithaca Cemetery and Wharton Studio Museum, the organizers of the event. Ithaca Police Department badges will be getting a splash of pink for the month of October. Around 20 officers will be wearing pink badges in support of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. 
This marks the third year the department have swapped out their badges for support of the cause. In addition to raising awareness for breast cancer, every officer that has a pink badge has also given a $50 donation towards local breast cancer prevention efforts. For Celine Tutar, I'm William Strelakis, WICB News. This June, Ithaca College ended its contract with food company Sodexo and quickly quickly switched gears to operate fully in-house. WICB correspondent John Turner took a look at how this transition is affecting students and faculty at the college. Food, food, food. You can't live without it. That goes for everyone, but especially college students. They have full schedules, socially and academically, and food ensures that students are able to function throughout the day. Ithaca College has started to make its meals in-house after it made the decision to get rid of Sodexo dining services. They've also added new retail dining options, and many of them are local businesses, some being Ithaca Bakery and Ithaca Coffee Company. Since this change, students at Ithaca College have talked to me about how they feel about the changes. I think there's a lot of similarities to last year. Sophomore Leah Alusio Sharp shares how she feels that Ithaca College falsely advertised the new dining hall changes. Students have been like the Towers Market, which I think adds diversity compared to last year and um, some of the options in Campus Center now. But those really aren't the dining halls, which I think is what was like advertised. That was going to be a huge difference. So, Another issue that Leah brought to light are the long lines to get into Campus Center Dining Hall. The lines are inconvenient considering Campus Center is the smallest dining hall and one of the most popular ones based on where a lot of people have their classes at. Some students, like IMC major Trinity Gray, feel like the dining services have somewhat improved. Mainly, I think there's more of a variety of things, and things are definitely seasoned better. But, um, like, last year was just ridiculous. Like, the pancakes weren't cooked and everything, so I think this year is much better with, like, the seasoning and how the food is overall prepared. She also had an opinion about the new retail dining on campus. Like, okay, so I think it's good, but I think there should be more options because there's only burgers and fries, macaroni and cheese, and pizza. And when we had late night, we had, like, theme nights. So I think there should be more of a variety because that's our only thing open late, and I don't think people want to eat pizza, burgers, and fries every night. Late night was at Terrace's dining hall, dining that is past regular hours. Many students who are not able to eat earlier like the convenience of having food options later in the evening. Students liked having a dining hall option open late so much that there is currently a petition to bring late night back. Another decision was to get rid of Towers Dining Hall, which was replaced with a convenience store and a food court-like facility. It houses a burger joint, a pizza spot, and purity ice cream. This now only leaves terraces and campus center. Trinity shares her thoughts on this. Um, I do not like that because, one, CC was already, campus center was already crowded, but now that that's like the only um, dining hall other than terraces, it's even more crowded because some people, like I know I would just make the sacrifice and walk to Towers because I knew CC was crowded, but no one wants to use all their bonus bucks, so now everyone comes to CC for lunch and it's ridiculous. Like, they don't even let people in, you just stand by the entrance. 
It's obvious that students were affected by this change in the dining at IC, but what about employees that work in the dining hall? I would say it's um, very similar from last year. Kamir Armstrong, an employee in Campus Center Dining Hall, describes the difference from last year. I think the dining hall closing for that one hour between three to four is helpful because it gives workers like the opportunity to straighten up a little bit before the next shift start. But overall, I would say it's really similar to last year. I spoke with two confidential sources, and they both agreed that nothing has really changed for them. One saying that they see Ithaca College as a better provider than Sodexo. Another saying it's just a different name at the bottom of the check. For WICB News, I'm John Turney. We'll be right back after a short break. Coming up, we'll learn about a kid's story hour hosted by uh, Buffalo Street Books that has a special twist. You're listening to Ithaca Now on 97 or 91.7 FM. Some radio stations are commercial free. Some have over 20 hours of specialty programming. And some have contests and giveaways. It wasn't good enough! No, because we do all of that and more here on the Station for Innovation, 92 WICB. Welcome back to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Jay Bradley. Drag Queen Story Hour at Buffalo Street Books brings the glitz and glamour of drag into the daytime to give children a magical afternoon of storytelling. WICB correspondent Bronte Cook takes us through the event. It's a sunny Sunday afternoon at the end of September. The Ithaca Commons is packed with people attending the town's annual Apple Harvest Festival, and there's a First People's Festival happening just down the street. But these festivals aren't the only exciting things happening in downtown Ithaca today. Just around the corner from the Commons, families are piling into Buffalo Street Books for the bookstore's monthly story time. It's not just any story time. It's a story time hosted by drag queens. I'm going to read a book called My Tree and Me, a book of seasons. Throughout the last few years, drag queen story hours have become a national phenomenon. The first one was organized in 2015 by Michelle T. She's a queer author and activist in San Francisco. After having a child, she realized that a lot of children's events weren't LGBTQ inclusive. So she set off to create one that was. From there, it exploded. As of November 2018, there were 27 official chapters of the organization. There's even one in Tokyo, Japan. Buffalo Street Books began their Drag Queen Story Hour last August. After learning of the event's presence at libraries and bookstores across the country, they collaborated with local drag queens to bring it right here to Ithaca. And since then, it's been a hit. I will be reading All the Way to Be Smart. This is my first time at Drag Queen Story Hour. I'm sitting crisscross applesauce up against a bookshelf near the front of the room. In front of me, three drag queens, two of whom are regular monthly storytellers, begin to read. When he reached a mountain, Fausto said in a clear voice, Mountain, you are mine. No, said the mountain. I am my own. That's Coraline Chardonnay. She performs drag at venues all over Ithaca and comes here every month to read to local kids. Day to day, he goes by David Isley. He teaches French and German to 7th and 8th graders at DeWitt Middle School, right here in Ithaca. For a mountain, a lake, a forest, a field, a tree, a sheep, and a flower, 
were not enough for him. Coraline is engaging, theatrical, and incredibly entertaining. Around the room, the kids are transfixed by her storytelling. One of them is a five-year-old boy named Max. Him and his twin brother Grayson are curled up in their mom's laps. Over his graphic t-shirt and khaki pants, he's wearing a pretty white dress covered in blue and purple flowers. Max really likes to wear dresses, so we like to show him that it's totally normal. That's Casey Beck, one of Max's moms. She says being able to bring Max and Grayson to events like these really helps encourage the kids to be themselves in a world that isn't always accepting. Just normalizing it and letting them know it's not just something they see on TV once in a while, it's everyday people. Even though they are big fans of RuPaul and Todrick, so. Casey's wife PJ says the Drag Queen Story Hour also helps get their kids excited about reading and provides an opportunity to get out and support the community. Just reading alone, I think, is really important and to get kids into books. And I mean, there's always such the battle with screen time and things like that. These are this is our this is where we live. And these are our folks in our neighborhood. Just coming down and seeing some fabulous people is really awesome, too, especially. Max was a little bit too shy to talk to me about the story hour. His brother was shy, too. But his facial expressions and constant giggles throughout the reading told me he really felt at home. Coraline Chardonnay says helping kids feel comfortable and accepted is one of the primary purposes of the Drag Queen Story Hour, and it can really make a difference. Kids need to know that whatever they're feeling about themselves and how they identify is okay, Mm -hmm. and that it is absolutely, they should go out into the world and they should be who they are, shout it from the rooftop. And I think we're finally hitting a point in history where it is becoming okay to do that. It's really heartwarming to see kids come in different outfits and expressions of themselves. It's really exciting. It brings a lot of visibility to the community, which I think is important. That's Tilia Cordata, one of the other drag queens. She says that today, safe spaces like this are really important because they help us work towards a more accepting, empathetic world. You fear what you don't know. So if kids grow up with this type of event, It's not unknown to them. The community, the connection is not some scary other. So hopefully they grow up more tolerant and loving of different communities that, you know, they're not necessarily a part of, or maybe they are, and they know where to go. They know where to find that family. For WICB News, I'm Bronte Cook. We'll be right back after a short break. Coming up, we'll hear from Idrisu Morak Pai, who is the director of the documentary Arlet. If you live in the city of Ithaca and want to be in the know, Swift 911 is the way to go. City of Ithaca alerts you about odd and even parking, street cleaning, construction updates, and other helpful messaging to keep you in the loop. The service is completely free and customizable. You receive only alerts you sign up for via text or email, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Text SWIFT to 99538 or go online to the city's website at www.cityofithaca.org to get started today. This message was brought to you by WYCB Ithaca. Welcome back to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Jay Bradley. Arlet is a documentary covering the lives of African people who are tied to a uranium mine in Niger. He's also an assistant professor for Media Arts, Sciences, and Studies Department at Ithaca College. WICB News sat down with him to learn more about his film and his career. Hi, thanks for being here, Professor Morikapai. 
Um, so do you just mind telling us what got you started in the documentary filmmaking industry? I actually been uh, I'm, I I was in the film school. I studied uh, not especially for documentary, but also for fiction filmmaker. I decided to, I mean, to work on documentary because I mean, the topic I I choose and uh, um, the stories that, that interest me. Um, the documentary medium allowed me to better uh, explore this uh, this topic. Making documentaries is kind of uh, um, it's a way I can correct uh, certain um, uh, misrepresentation and a certain narrative that are still uh, ongoing. And do you just mind sharing what type of topics your documentaries tackle? I I actually don't want to, <laughs> I don't like to repeat my my documentaries because they. Topics are very large, and it's not just one topic. It's not just one story. It's uh, um, even though I have a storyline, I try always to explore different directions in a every documentary I, I, I did. So the first one was uh, uh, about myself going back home. So um, and my film was. To go back to meet my dad after spending so many years outside Benin, um, to see how um, my society or my relationship or my vision of the world uh, has changed, and to confront my dad and to question different uh, aspects of life. And uh, unfortunately, my dad passed before I made the film. So um, I decided to do this film in questioning people who were around him, who know, who know him very well. From going back to meet my dad, the film became, you know, uh, a film around my mom because I had, I noticed that I had a lot to learn about my mom, my own mom, and also a lot to learn, a lot, a lot of things to learn about other women of my family. So um, why exploring the life of, uh, of these women uh, in my culture? Um, I also explore different you know, uh, aspects of, uh, of, of social life. Right. So the second, the other film I did was called A Early the Second Paris. I saw that. Yeah, so I really saw it. That's great. And uh, so um, this film was uh, um, was about uranium mining in uh, West Africa. So uh, uranium mining is set in uh, in Niger, Niger, which was a really one of the poorest uh, countries in, uh, in in Africa. Uranium mining has been or uh, uh, uranium has been discovered in the sixties by by the colonial power at the time, and uh, and since then. France or now multinationals owns this company and making profit from from um, from from the raw material from this raw material. What people don't talk about is um, that uranium mining is a very it's also a dangerous occupation that people don't talk about how what are the working conditions mm -hmm. of the people you know that people are dying. Uh, from cancer, for instance. The documentaries discuss issues that I wasn't aware of. Do you feel like 
there's a general lack of awareness about these issues that other countries face and why? I mean, every documentary is always about something that people are not aware of. You know, my documentaries are always about questions, posing questions. I show the question to the world to say, how do you see this? Finding a place like Niger, people know where Niger is. People heard about uranium mining. But how they don't, what they don't know is uranium mining is a post-colonial element. It's a post-colonial tool. If people are dying because they don't have a decent hospital, for instance, people don't know. So I just oppose element aspect to make it evident. Say, you know, it's not just about uranium, but it's about the tool, uranium as tool for a colonial power that still, you know, uh, had, you know, holding, you know, the power for so many years that people don't know. It's about all other elements I'm talking about, you know, the contradiction, you know, a poor country that furnish, you know, a, something like a raw material that really everyone knows is, you know, give power you know, electricity to the world, give power, I mean, or, you know, it's beyond electricity, you know, it's, uh, it's about uranium, it's about atom bomb, it's about so many things that people create, the world create with, well, with this raw material. How could we imagine that a poor country like Niger uh, gives such important raw material to the world, the country still you know, uh, stay very poor, you know, that they, the country doesn't profit, doesn't take any profit from that, you know. So you create this question in his mind. For instance, I was in France. So I show my film in the France, in France that is really involved in this kind of topic, uh, in, in this uranium mining. And people ask me in Paris, I say, uh, there was a lady who stand up and asked me, say, where is that this, com this company, this real company from? That's really not fair what they are doing. I say this company is to belong to the government of France. And she was looking like that and said, you know, like, uh, no, I don't think, I don't believe that my country can do something to people, to other people in the world. I say yes. And uh, imagine that 75% of our electricity in France getting, you know, it's coming straight from uranium. She, I mean, she shows how she, this night she had learned something, that she's not so, uh, you know, that she has kind of uh, respons responsibility in what is going on, something she was not aware of. As a citizen, um, we need to, to be informed, uh, you know, we need a kind of commitment. Uh, you cannot just say, I'm safe. I don't do anything wrong to other people, but the fact that you are not informed, the fact that you are ignorant, is a kind of responsibility. My documentary filmmaking is, is about that, you know, to really increase people's awareness, you know, around the world. Not only, you know, the people who are connected to this, to this the topic, but everyone, you know, because after watching this kind of film, you ask yourself, you know, about other topics. It's like, okay, do I 
I'm also responsible for something else in my country, in the world, you know. And then, uh, you know, today you can see around the world how people, you know, like plastic, you know, we are using plastic, for instance. And uh, if you hear, you see documentary, what pl plastic do to animals around the world, you, you start thinking, say, each time you use plastic now, you say, wow, oh, I don't want to throw it in the, in the way I did before. I want, I want to make sure that this plastic, plastic goes somewhere else to be you know, recycled. <laughs> and so I watched Arlie the Second Paris, and you decided to delete a specific scene. And I was just wondering if you could tell us about the scene and why you decided to remove it from the final cut. So this scene that I decided not to edit into the film, in which I surprised two young men uh, playing with uranium. They were not playing, they were doing the job they, they, they have been asked to do, and uh, which is uh, really dangerous. People would be, I mean, would be shocked if they see this scene. So I decided to, uh, uh, at the end, of you know, doing the editing, not to edit this film because this this scene because it's gonna destroy my film. It's gonna destroy my approach in the, in, in the film. It is scene which is a spectacular, spectacular. I don't want I, a spectacular scene in my in the film. Journalists, you know, just go straight to this kind of uh, aspect in the filmmaking. But what I want is not evident. It's just to you know to questions things you know, to expose, to just suppose things and to make people questions. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll hear more from Idrisu Morakpai. This is Ithaca Now on WICB. Want to hear more female artists on the Station for Innovation? Tune in to Eve Out Loud to hear a variety of female-fronted music. Sunday nights at 8 on 92 WICB. Welcome back to Ithaca Now. If you're just joining us, we're hearing from Idrisu Morakpai, professor and the director of the documentary Arlet. And so my next question is, what's your opinion on the media's portrayal and coverage of the topics that you discuss in your documentaries? You know, these kind of topics are not uh, interesting for, for media. You know, it's uh, media... We need to know first who belongs, and all these companies are connected. We know that we have multinational. You can see around the world, the media. You know they are all connected. You know if you, you are looking for uh, the owner of of the big media, you can find that they are all businessmen. They are involved in different businesses. Most of the things that we have been exposed to, uh, not. The truth is, is, everything is about, you know, spectacle, you know, spectacular things, you know, something happened and uh, who is responsible, what happened, what, with what pictures, and we inform people, try to find the spectacular pictures, not to do it. That's the, what media is about, right? To create, you know, kind of uh, spectacle. That's what, you know, I can give you an example. I was making my documentary in Charleston, and um, um, during this, during my shooting, uh, many things happened. Walter Scott got killed in Charleston, so I was making my film, and then I said, "Okay, let me go 
and film also this movement. People, you know, black people in Charles mobilized, I mean, to organize, to demonstrate, really. And then uh, what I realized is that maybe, you know, uh, TV channels from every part of the world were there. What was interesting for them is the big picture, this big, big gathering of the people. And that was not my job. I, I, I was trying to get to understand why we end up where we are today. What are the problems? So to understand this, you need to stay. You don't go. So after two days, or left. So I was making, I continued making my film. I was alone with my camera. Right. So that's what the big difference between media and, and the documentary. Right. The documentary filmmaking stay. Mm-hmm. Get to know people. Go inside the society. And try to understand, try to find questions, right? And it's not just the pictures, the gathering of all this. So mm. they just film the consequences of things, you know, but they don't check why, why the way. And uh, you know, so that's uh, really the big, big. So if you ask any, to you ask these journalists who came to Charleston, what this garden was about, what, got, uh, what Scott got killed, what is really the motivation of, uh, you know, they won't be able to tell you. You're very involved in making documentaries. And so my question is, how do you balance your personal and documentary life? Because I understand that you commute hours away to visit your family over the weekends. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I'm quite new here at Ithaca College. You know, I started teaching here uh, this fall. Not easy. I mean, to drive every week uh, to Pittsburgh. Coming from a European background, you know, driving was not part of my culture. But now I'm part of. Uh, I, I got really used to, to drive. I see that I'm not alone. Many people really commute here in the United States. So what's next for you? What I'm doing right now is, uh, you know, I I work with my student. I'm trying to get them really. Uh, tackle really the, the, the important topic, right? So that's what I'm doing right now. But at the same time, I'm also um, working on my own project. I have a different project which I have people funding. Now, November 1st, I have a, a film screening in Charleston, I mean, the premiere of, of my last film that I made in Charleston. Uh, which is uh, going to be a great event. So is there anything that you'd like to add that I didn't cover? That's a film before or after our leader made another film called uh, Indochina, Traces of the Modern. Show the trailer for it on YouTube. Yeah. And Traces of the Modern, which is uh, about uh, Africans uh, who have been sent uh, to fight the independence, I mean, to fight uh, the Vietnamese in Vietnam, uh, Indochina at the time. And uh, these Africans who were colonized uh, at the time, you know, between 1946 to 1954, um, were uh, forcefully uh, recruited by the colonial power and sent them to, to, to fight or to die uh, in, in Vietnam. So, and uh, during the war, um, many children were born from African fathers and Vietnamese mothers. 
So um, at the end of the war in 1954, when France has to quit, uh, they have uh, uh, forcefully also taken uh, many children to Africa. Uh, many of these children have you know, lost their contact with their mothers, and many of them were kidnapped. You know, the mothers were not the mothers were not told that they will never see them kids anymore. So I take I took the story of one of them uh, as my you know uh, uh, my storyline while exploring this really have. Uh, not known uh, part of uh, history, right, between France and, and Africa. How people were colonized have been taken to fight other people who were fighting for the independence, right? So, and, uh, and many other things that happened during the time. So that's what, what the film is about, the China traces of the model. All right, thank you so much. That's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. For more stories and news impacting the Ithaca community, tune into our next show on Sunday at 7 p.m. You can find all of our content on WICB.org, and if you'd like to listen to past broadcasts, subscribe to us for free on the iTunes Podcast Store. For more updates throughout the week, follow us on social media. Search for WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And before we go, we have some thank yous for tonight. Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager, Peter Champelli, and our new staff. Executive Director, Bridget Bright, Managing Director, Jacqueline Anakian, and Web Director, Jordan Alexander. All of the music from our show comes from Dr. Dundiff, who hails from Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you so much for joining us, and have a fantastic week. I'm Jay Bradley, and you've been listening to Ithaca Now on WICB.